when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players, you have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. <laughs> Let's go, Raider Nation, and welcome to Just Pod Baby with your host, Evan Grote, your home for Raiders news, notes, and information. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at egroat 5 and you can follow more of my work over at silverandblackpride.com. Later in the episode, I'll be joined by Bay Area's news group columnist, Dieter Kurtenbach. Now, tonight's episode is going to be coming at you about a day early. I'm calling this an emergency podcast. I, I, I had to, um, you know, I had to get behind the mic. I, I had too much that I wanted to say, um, and I'm sure all of you know what I'm talking about. Um, there certainly hasn't been a shortage of news since the last time we spoke. Um, we've had the debut of Hard Knocks on Tuesday night. Uh, the Raiders held two joint practices with the Rams this week, one in which Gabe Jackson suffered a injury to his MCL. It's being reported that he'll be out six to eight weeks. And, of course, the news of the day, which is why I'm I'm getting this this podcast out to you, like I said, about a day early, is, is the newly acquired Antonio Brown is, is now throwing a temper tantrum. Um, he's threatening to retire. He's threatening not to play anymore uh, if he does not get, uh, get, get to wear the helmet that he, that he prefers. So that's where we're going to start the show tonight, and that's where we're going to begin the first segment. I'm assuming by now, by the time that y- you guys are getting a chance to listen to this podcast, that you've you've had the opportunity now to to see the thread of tweets that were put out today by Mike Silver and um, Adam Scheffner had some good ones out there detailing the issue that's going on with Antonio Brown and in the league's um, helmet policy. Now, I can't say that I'm at all surprised by this mess um, that's unfolding here. I, I recall being behind this mic just a few months ago uh, when this trade went down, and, and I was I was trying to be very cautiously optimistic um, about the move. You know, it's always, it's always exciting when your team trades for a uh, player who is considered, you know, one of the top players in the league, but it, it also, you know, kind of raises some concern when, you know, why is it that the Steelers want to want to trade um, a player who's been so productive uh, for them for the past you know eight or nine years? Um, so you, you know, I was I was hoping that you know I was giving Brown the benefit of the doubt. Maybe, maybe Brown wasn't you know t- to get all the blame for what happened in Pittsburgh. Um, that maybe all maybe all AB needed was was just a fresh start. You know, new change of scenery, new quarterback, wh- whatever. Um, well, shame on me, and, and, and shame on you, and, and, and shame on a lot of us, uh, because we all should have known better um, about Antonio Brown th- than to believe that he would leave, you know, his baggage in Pittsburgh, and that he he, he had turned over, uh, you know, uh, he had turned the page, so to speak. Um, even after all the talk that he had in his his press conference when he uh, was introduced for the first time as a Raider, he talked a lot about. Accountability and, and you know leadership and whatnot. 
Now, I don't want to sit here and, and bash the guy. I, I, you know, I always try to be very supportive of the players and, and, and as I said, give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, I understand he, he's, he's young, he's rich, he's, he's super talented, but, um, and, I, and I also understand that with all of those things comes um, an inflated ego. Um, but when you begin to feel that you are above the team, when you're above the league and in, in the rules um, that your team and, and that your league have has in place, um, that's where I, as a fan, you know, I, I kind of have to draw the line. And now, of course, you know, I, I, I guess I, I'm hypocritical because um, I know very well that if and when AB decides to, to come back and, and join the team and, and on Sundays when he's dropping nine catches for a, for a buck 20 and a touchdown, you know, I'm going to be cheering for him and, you know, I'm going to tolerate and I'm going to put up with that behavior, you know, more so than I am now. Um, but, but my Lord, can, can he just grow up a little bit, just a little bit? Now, the biggest concern I have at, at this point um, with this situation is where does this leave the locker room? You know, the locker room is, is left to have to deal with this distraction that he created. You know, he's he's gone. He's away from the team. He's away from this this mess. He's away from the cameras of HBO, um, Hard Knocks. He's away from the media and the beat writers. He's not getting questioned about all of these things. It's 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 left to the um, it's a burden on the players that are in that locker room. And how does this influence the young players on the roster? Uh, Gruden and Mayock, they they we all know they've preached changing the culture. Um, they want high character guys, um, but then you have your most talented player on your roster who, who is uh, allegedly late to meetings, not paying attention in meetings, uh, just kind of going rogue, really doing his own thing. And, and again, this is some of the stuff that we heard that he was doing in Pittsburgh. Um, so it's just a terrible, it's a terrible look. It's a terrible example that he is setting for some of the younger players. Um, and I just hope some of the, the really great leaders that the, the Raiders have on that team are are doing their best to to get into these young players' ears and not so much, you know, talk bad about Brown, but just really demonstrate to them what leadership what look, looks like, what accountability looks like, and, and, and hoping that that has a bigger impact on them than this Antonio Brown situation does. So, so overall, that was what my biggest fear was when they traded for him is, is how it would affect the young players, and it's, it's really kind of starting to play out here. Um, and, and, the, and the next question that I have is, uh, you know, where do the Raiders go from here? You know, I mean, there was all kinds of different reports out there today. Um, apparently, Brown um, has filed a grievance with the league. Apparently, he, he met with the league office officials uh, for two hours on Friday. And I would be shocked if, if that really went anywhere. I can't imagine in any scenario um, where the NFL bends the rules uh, for a player when it comes to player safety especially. I mean, we all know the the steps they've taken there to, um, to try to make the game safer. Uh, you know, if Brown is serious and he decides he, he doesn't want to play anymore because of this, you know, when and, and how can the Raiders begin to, you know, maybe recoup some of that money? I mean, he was given, I believe it was $30 million, a little over $30 million in guaranteed money. 
Um, is he really willing to just uh, give all that up because of a helmet? I, I just, you know, I, I just can't imagine him doing that. Um, you know, do they just decide, okay, roll with what they currently have on the roster? Um, do they do they go out and sign someone? Um, I don't know who's out there. I, you know, maybe after some players are cut, maybe they can find uh, someone. I, 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 I really don't know. Um, or if if Brown decides that you know he he will oblige with with the league rules and and wear the new helmet, the new model helmet, um, you know, how does the team accept that? Do they just do they just sweep this under the carpet like like nothing ever happened? Or you know, are there some are are, are there some lingering effects? You know with his teammates in, in in that locker room. So, you know, these are questions that I'm sure many of us share. And unfortunately, you know, I don't have the answers to them and I'm sure nobody does. Only the only person that can really answer these questions are, are Antonio Brown and, and his teammates really. Uh, Michael Gelkin, I do want to talk about this real, real quick. Um, Michael Gelkin of the uh, Las Vegas Review Journal uh, reported that be it helmet or foot related, he believes or he was told from a Raiders official that the Raiders are not concerned about Antonio Brown's future availability. Um, they have a strong grasp on both situations and, and they fully expect him to rejoin the club um, you know, at training camp um, in the near future. So again, that source was um, a team official. So let's just hope that Michael is, is accurate like, like he normally is with his reporting um, and that, you know, we see uh, Antonio Brown back in, um, you know, back with his teammates, you know, in the near future. After a quick break, we are going to get right into my interview with Dieter Kurtenbach. On the line with me is Dieter Kurtenbach, sports columnist for the Bay Area News Group. Dieter, thanks for joining me on tonight's show. How's it going? It's going pretty well, though. It's been kind of a crazy day when we're talking. Uh, I wrote two different Antonio Brown columns today, so that's the kind of day it's it's been so far. Yeah, it's been a pretty sl- slow news day for you guys in Raiderland. Exactly. <laughs> Just a little bit. Now, um, when I originally planned to, to have you on the show, I you know my, my plan was to um, ask you a few questions about Raiders and Rams joint practices. I, I know that mm-hmm. you were in attendance for them and, you know, I saw some of the tweets that you put out in regards to the defense and, and I do want to get oh. to those, um, those tweets in just a minute. But, yeah. uh, before we do that, obviously we, we, I want to talk and get some of your thoughts on the news of the day. And, and obviously that's Antonio Brown. Now, now I'm 35 years old and I, and I've, I've followed football my entire life. I have never seen anything like this. And let's be honest, this is not the way that John Gruden and the Raiders envisioned, you know, this is not the way they hoped that this new relationship would get started. So, I mean, what, what do you make of this? What, what is your opinion on, on all this drama that has kind of surfaced today surrounding Antonio Brown? My mind's all across the board because, for one, no one could have predicted anything like this. I'm with you. I, I've never heard of a, a circumstance even remotely close to this. And it almost makes me question if Antonio Brown has the desire to play football or if this is just a cop out. Um, I, I, I don't know. And ultimately, the thing that I keep coming back to is I think the Raiders are getting exactly what they should have thought they were getting. Um, there is a reason that the Raiders were able to acquire Antonio Brown for next to nothing, especially compared to the talent level he has on the field. And had they done, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on this, their research with Brown, they would know that a lot of the issues that have come to light, not maybe this helmet issue, but the issue of him sort of making his own rules, uh, deciding what will and will not happen, 
being late for meetings, not participating in meetings, generally winging it out on the football field. Those were things that were happening for years in Pittsburgh and really came to a head this past season. That's why the Raiders were able to get him for so cheap. That's why the Steelers took a $21 million cap hit and traded them for next to nothing. Like John Gruden said in the opening press conference of training camp that he expects a lot more drama out of Antonio Brown in reference to the hot air balloon stunt, which was 20 miles north of the actual training camp site. Like he said that and it was somewhat of a joke, but I, I took him seriously. It, he wasn't chuckling afterwards. Like, he did expect a lot of drama. I don't think anyone could have expected this specifically. I don't think that anyone foresaw the foot injury and, and, and the severity of it. Um, I don't think certainly anyone saw the helmet issue and uh, the seriousness that Brown seems to be operating with when it comes to retiring from the league if he doesn't get to wear the same helmet. Uh, this is all a big hot mess, but when you trade for and then sign Antonio Brown, you should expect a big hot mess. And uh, I, I don't think that you can you can give too much sympathy for the Raiders here, even though I, I don't think there's really anything they could have done to have uh, changed the situation. Yeah, yeah. For any Raiders fan to be surprised at this is is really um, shame on them because, uh, you know, yeah. if you follow football at all, you, you knew that this player has a track record of this type of behavior. Um, my my concern on on Brown is this, and I, I do not tread into this lightly, but he has never struck me as a particularly pragmatic person uh, in the years of covering the NFL and, and watching his career. Um, I, I've never been necessarily impressed by the cognitive ability, and I, I've certainly been impressed by his on-field ability and his work ethic and all this, but um, boy... Uh, <laughs> This is this is I, I think it's going to be hard for most people to wrap their minds around the situation. I think it's hard for the Raiders to wrap their mind around the situation. But I think it's just ultimately hard for anyone to really get on Antonio Brown's level. And I, I've heard the word immaturity thrown around. I've a couple of people have thrown it my way. Um I think that that's kind of an easy trope. We often say immaturity, but I do think there's an immaturity here because ultimately every other player in the NFL it's had it had to change their helmets and Antonio Brown is throwing temper tantrums and trying to paint his own helmet and doing all of this stuff. It makes me a little bit concerned for his overall mental well-being that this is something that he's willing to end his career over while he's still one of the best players in the NFL. And furthermore, it makes me question his overall decision making ability because he knew that this was something that was supposed to happen this year. The NFL told him, you cannot wear this helmet. We'll give you one more year to wear this helmet, and then everyone has to change. And you see Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and a bunch of other players around the NFL changing helmets. And Antonio Brown is willing to go to war over this thing and willing to throw away $50 million over this helmet, claiming that he can't see. There's something bigger or, or there's something bigger going on here that, that – I haven't gotten to the bottom of and maybe we'll never get to the bottom of, but on the surface, it's weird. And while there's a lot of sort of, you can piece it together logically, there has to be something else going on. And I just hope it's not maybe the worst case scenario that you could go to in that regard. Yeah. I think you touched on something there when you, when you brought up, you know, I guess mental health, but you know, there de definitely seems to be some sort of almost like narcissism going on where he just mm. feels that he is kind of above 
you know, the league and above his yeah. teammates, and and that's that's not a good thing at all. Um, no, it was reported today that he had a two-hour meeting with with league officials. Um, I guess he filed the grievance. What I just saw on NFL Network. Um, yeah. Do Do you expect anything to come out of this meeting? I mean, I can't imagine the NFL budging at all on on, on something like this. Correct. That, that's that's been the assessment that that I've been given by people. Though I, I'm not really even sure who to contact to get direct information regarding a situation like this. I don't know who the arbiter is. I don't know if they have helmet arbiters. Like it, it, it's all extremely peculiar and a very uh, a very unique scenario. But it, it would shock me if the NFL. Um, had to let Antonio Brown wear that helmet for another year because not only has the NFL made the rules about which helmets are, are now deemed uh, to be appropriate and safer, uh, the NFLPA signed off on all of this. And Antonio Brown is an NFLPA member, so vicariously he signed off on all of this. So if he doesn't want to wear the new helmet, he, I guess, is going to retire because the Raiders are not going to let him onto the practice field or on – uh, you know, to play games uh, because they're the ones who are going to get the fine. And the Raiders, um, as much as they would love to have Antonio Brown out there, uh, w- are not going to take m- monetary losses by playing him. Uh, and I think that ultimately, I think this thing is going to have to get figured out here maybe a little bit sooner than the natural timeline indicates. The expectation is that we'll have a ruling sometime in the middle of next week in regards to this helmet issue. And again, I don't expect it to go Antonio Brown's way, but if it doesn't go his way, I think the Raiders have to make a fairly fast decision on if they want to start trying to get back some of the money that uh, he has been paid or that they're on the hook for and and canceling his contract as a breach. Um, Because they'll let this go. I think the stickier it gets, and I'm certainly no lawyer, but my understanding is the stickier it will get in terms of getting back Uh, some of the money because he is also injured at the same time. And then uh, secondarily, uh, yeah, it's (laughs) my expectation on all of this is that Antonio Brown will play for the Raiders this season and he will be wearing a different helmet, but trying to guess what Antonio, because that just makes the most sense, right? He's making a big fuss. He's being ridiculous, but no one passes up $30 million guaranteed, maybe $50 million total because of a helmet. But he's Antonio Brown. So I, I while that's my expectation, I, I wouldn't necessarily put money on it. Okay. Yeah, you kind of already answered my next question. But um, so I guess I'll move on to my, my uh, other question. On a scale of 1 to 10, uh, how high is your level of concern then that, and you kind of already touched upon that, you said he, you do believe he will play for the Raiders at some point, but how high is your, your concern level? I mean, he's missing a lot of time, um, important time where he, he could, you know, needs to be developing that, that rapport with, with his new quarterback, Derek Carr. So right. on, on a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you? I'm a seven, but only only not necessarily because of the rapport or learning the offense, though there are more concerns about that um, today. And, and there there were concerns you know, leading up to this because he hasn't been in camp. He hasn't been part of the installation meetings. And we knew that from his time in Pittsburgh, his last season, he was pretty much just winging it. I mean, unless if it was a new play, he wasn't learning it. And Ben Roethlisberger called him out several times over the past season in Pittsburgh regarding the fact that he was running the wrong routes because he would just run to the open spot like he was in uh, Washington State's offense. And that's not how uh, 
an NFL team operates, not how NFL offense operates effectively. And so Roethlisberger had a couple of interceptions that he said, well, you know, I, I was doing everything right. It was Antonio Brown who ran a different route. And while I would have liked to have thrown it to the open guy, that's not how my progressions work. And we went through this a bunch, but I guess he never got the memo. So there is concern in the sense that in training camp, that is when you install the offense and that's when you learn, uh, everything more or less. And, uh, as for you know him not being on the field during training camp, yeah, it'd be nice if they had a little bit more rapport between him and Carr. But if he can learn, if he does know the offense, if he does know the play calls, um, and, and he'll run the damn routes right, I don't think there's an issue because his feet, I, I am convinced, will heal. Uh, it, it it might take a while, but they'll heal, and you know he's in great shape. Uh, and all he has to do is get out on the field and things will happen. I'm not really too concerned uh, about that, but man, if this guy decides he doesn't want to play over a helmet or this is sort of a false flag out there as to, uh, as to indicate there's something else going on, like I, I, th- there has to be concern. He's threatening retirement over nothing. So, um, I, I, again, it, Maybe I'm being overly rational here in thinking that uh, this is much ado about nothing. But, yeah, there's concern. There's concern. I'd say 7 out of 10. If you would have asked me before this helmet thing came out and before it really got to the level that it got to today, because there were some rumblings, but I kind of brushed them off. Um, I would have said 1 out of 10, 2 out of 10, only because of the practice stuff, only because of the meeting stuff. Uh, Now it's it's severely escalated. And... uh, I, I don't know if one out of 10 is the proper uh, barometer in which to discer- decide it because none of this stuff seems to be operating in, in real rational terms. Wow. Wow. Very interesting. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, one of my concerns, and I'm sure a lot of Raiders fans had the same concern is, you know, when you sign, when you go out and trade for a guy like Antonio Brown, there's, there's no question his talent and, and the work mm-hmm. ethic and those things, but you're bringing in, you know, a, a player with a history in, into a locker room where, you know, you're trying to change the culture They have, you, you brought in a lot of young players and, and, you mm-hmm. know, I just hope that, um, this doesn't have a negative effect on, you know, those young players and, and, and their development. Hopefully, you know, guys like Derek Carr and the, and the other good leaders in the locker room are kind of trying to, you know, nip this right away and, and coaches right. and whatnot. So it doesn't have an effect um, long term. But I think it's impossible to say that it won't just because we know how NFL teams treat distractions. And we all we often roll our eyes about it because it, it, it just seems like they're making boogeymen out of nothing. But Antonio Brown acting like a crazy person over a helmet or Antonio Brown, you know, showing up to training camp. And, oh, by the way, the bottom of my feet are completely blistered over and I can't run like things like that. They don't necessarily hurt in the micro, but. I don't know how anyone's supposed to talk about anything else. I mean, this is the most bizarre train wreck you've ever seen happening uh, around your team. Like you're supposed to be 100 percent focused on the season. And I don't know how that manifests. And and you hope that this team, this young team uh, can handle uh, the peculiarity of it all and can get their work done and get to where they need to be heading into the season just on a human level. But I'm having a hard time thinking about week one right now, uh, and I can only imagine what it's like in the belly of the beast. John Gruden and, and Mike Mayock have talked a lot uh, about culture and trying to uh, establish a culture. So clearly they didn't think very much of what they what uh, Gruden inherited last year. 
this is this is a culture setting moment, uh, not just in sort of the response, but also in you brought in a guy like Antonio Brown, who you knew had issues. You brought in a guy like Richie Incognito, who everyone has said nothing but kind things about and has not had an issue. But we know what's happened in the past um, there. There something could happen there. You brought in a guy like like perfect. You know what bon, Vontez perfect is all about. So um, they, they're kind of talking a big game and they want the young guys to be part of sort of this next era of Raiders football and to be smart and disciplined and all that stuff. And then yet the three kind of big veteran names that they brought in, I would argue outside of Williams this past off season, all of them either have a pretty, all of them have a pretty extensive rap sheet and Antonio Brown is already pretty much blown up in their face and it's damage control from here on out. So I, it's a lot of talk, but I, I, I'm not seeing it all that much. Yeah, and of course, it's all going to be played out on you know HBO Hard Knocks for for everyone. Well, that's if they, that's if they decide to show it. <laughs> true, week true. One, Jesus Christ! I mean, it, yeah. you would never know that Richie Incognito had an issue or that's that Antonio Brown's feet blistered in France in a cryo chim- you know cryotherapy <laughs> chamber. I mean, it was just like let's. It was like state-run media. It was crazy. Right. Bay Area News Group columnist uh, Dieter Kurtenbach joins me on Just Pod Baby. All right, so I, I want to uh, shift gears a little bit here. Um, I know you. You were out in Napa for the the two joint practices with the Rams, I and um, I mentioned a tweet that you put out earlier. I think it was yesterday or the day before about the Raiders. Put it de- out the first practice, right? Yeah. The first practice. And I know that. Um, well, those of you who did not see it, uh, basically, <laughs> basically, uh, he said he was not. Uh, Dieter said he was not at all pressed with the defense, and and, and he would not be shocked to see the defense uh, ranked near the bottom in the league. Oh, so, I said dead last. Dead last. He did say dead last. He said, in fact, you said you put a big. I put a sizable bet. Sizable bet, and, and I did with several Raiders. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, so, you know, what did you see, or I guess I should say, what didn't you see from, from the defense that makes you feel, feel this way? Yeah. So, um, I'll say this, they are improved from last year. Um, but it's marginal and last year they were historically bad. Now, technically speaking, they weren't the worst defense in the NFL last year. Uh, they were 30th in DVOA from football outsiders, but, we all saw that defense, and it was god-awful. And particularly as we uh, see this league becoming more and more pass-heavy uh, by by market percentages year in and year out, um, the fact that this team is going to be really, really bad in pass defense, uh, something that I suspected uh, after the first few training camp practices without the Rams there, and then I felt was confirmed by the Rams' presence there, Um it is a major problem. What I've seen from this defense is a defensive line that will not get to the quarterback. They had 13 sacks last year. The next worst team in the NFL had 30. I don't know if they're going to get to 25, which is still probably not enough to be outside of the cellar in the NFL. I, I would be shocked, honestly, if they got re- above 20 because they're playing Max Crosby, who's a nice player, has a big motor. Maybe he can get some you know, coverage sacks. Maybe. I don't know if there's going to be very many coverage sacks. Uh, I did not see much from Farrell. I think that he's competent. I think that he'll be helpful against the run um, because he, he's certainly a smart football player. And I do think there's potential with him down the line. But for him to be an impact sack guy as a as a nine immediately, I, I think, is asking way, way, way too much. The interior of the defensive line, we know um, they, they're going to try to stop the run. They're going to put two big hefties in there as opposed to Mo Hurst, and that, that means that they're not going to get any sacks from the interior. I'm looking at a linebacker core that has legitimately the three worst coverage linebackers in the NFL. 
And if you are an offensive coordinator and you're going up against the Oakland Raiders and you decide that you want to go into a personnel grouping that takes one of those linebackers off the field, you should be fired immediately because the best player on this defense without question is LaMarcus Joyner. And he is very, very good. But he is only going to come in at least under what I saw so far in training camp in nickel packages. He's a safety, but he's going to play a lot of slot corner and they're going to try to do interesting things with him there. Well, that slot corner doesn't come on unless you are in a lighter personnel, meaning something outside of 21, 22, 12 personnel. So I would just keep the Raiders in base at all times, and you don't have to run it. You throw it to your halfback. You throw it to your tight ends. The middle of the field is going to be wide open because those guys, perfect uh, Whitehead and and Brandel, Brandon Marshall, who over the who used to be a really good coverage linebacker, but hasn't been for the last two years. Um, and that's just kind of the way the NFL goes. You get banged up a bunch and you kind of lose some skills. And there's a reason that the Broncos let him go. Those three guys might, again, legitimate collectively, they're definitely the worst. And individually, they're going to be vying for the worst. There's a reason that the Raiders were able to get all three of them. We saw what happened with White. Uh, Whitehead last year, he was arguably the worst in the NFL. Burfick got released or he got let go more or less from the the Bengals because he he was a dinosaur in this era of football. And same with Marshall. He just can't do what he used to do anymore. So I would just pass the ball every single time on these guys. They can't do anything to stop it. I like Conley, but I don't think that his technique is maybe where it needs to be. I still don't trust him against the number one receiver yet a true number one receiver and uh, we saw that you, you might have seen in hard knocks there were a couple of um there were a couple of snaps that we saw Antonio Brown actually running routes so that's why I didn't put too much credence into the foot injury because he was running pretty effective routes on he was making Gary and Conley look really stupid and it's again Antonio Brown he, he's one of the best to ever do it but Conley was doing a lot of things technically that were very alarming. It wasn't like he was just getting beat good play to good play. He was getting beat by doing stupid rookie stuff. And so I just don't necessarily trust him to cover a number one yet. On the other side, it's going to be fine, but nothing special. I think it's going to be a lot of the same thing that we had last year. And at safety, everyone likes Abrams' energy. And and certainly he is an incredible athlete. I'm really optimistic about what he can be. But Jared Goff worked this dude over time and time again. And because we're watching in training camp in Napa, we're at field level. We don't have instant replay available to us. It's very difficult to test out sort of the depth of the field. We don't have that bird's eye view that we usually have at the Coliseum or watching on television. Um we, you just don't notice that he's getting completely pulled out of position, but then he's kind of getting into the play a little bit later with a big hit because he's he's you know compensating for the air that he er, he made earlier. But there's a reason that the ball had been delivered and that he's making the big hit. He's not coming over to make the big hit. He's getting back to the man who was wide open after he abandoned his spot because Jared Goff worked him left and right. So he's a rookie. That is a lot to be expected, but I, I don't expect that to come through very early at all. He's getting worked over left and right. He's, he's a rookie safety and he has a lot of energy and he wants to make the big play. It, it, it's just not there yet. He doesn't play a smart brand of football yet. You can hope that that happens in training camp, but let's be honest, history tells us that this is something that's going to take at least half a season, if not longer for him to sort of get out of his system, for him to control himself enough so that he is not making himself a liability on the field. And on the other side is Carl Joseph and, um, I think we all know what's going on with Carl Joseph. This team also has very little depth, in my opinion, on the defensive side. So 
they are going to, I, I feel extremely, extremely confident that they are going to be the worst pass defense in the NFL. And I think that they could be fairly decent against the run. But again, any team that runs against these Oakland Raiders in 2019, they should fire their offensive coordinator on the spot because that is, it's just silly when there's this many yards available to you on every single play. I saw the Rams who, let's be fair here, the Rams are an elite offense with an elite coach, and I think Goff is awesome. Uh, and they certainly have elite playmakers or at least elite route runners around him in a damn good offensive line. But I saw the Rams beat up on the Raiders' defense for two straight days like the varsity team state champion beaten up on the freshman football team. I mean, they were getting chunk yards left and right. It looked so easy, and Goff barely got touched if he got touched at all. Big time concerns with the defense. I might have overshot it a little bit in saying that they're the worst defense in the NFL, but I'll tell you this right now. If they're above 25, I'll streak down the Coliseum in the final game. <laughs> We're getting some great info tonight from, from Jeter here, folks. Um, I got a couple more for you here. Um, you know, we'll kind of go to the offense now. Everything that I yeah. read from from day one, at least, um, of joint practices sounded like the offense really struggled as well. Um, I know mm -hmm. Derek Carr threw an interception early in, yeah. I believe it was the 7-on-7. Seven seven. Um, with the exception of the offensive line, I did read some, some positive things um, from them. But what did you see from the offense? I, I, I would almost flip it. I, I really do kind of like uh, the makeup of this Raiders offense. And I don't like to put too much. I didn't want to put too much credence in some of the struggles if they were struggles at that. Um, because, you know, some some of those interceptions from my vantage point, and I did not see all of them. I, I, I spent more time with the defense, to be honest, than I did with the offense. But for what I saw from the offense, um, it was they were mixing and matching. They were trying new things. And you can throw as many interceptions as you want in uh in, in training camp because they don't count and you can do it in the preseason too. And so I think Carr was trying maybe some things that he wouldn't try in a regular game. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that. And I'm a known Derek Carr skeptic. I'm optimistic actually about the possibility of this offense. And I don't want to judge it too much without Antonio, Antonio Brown because every defense that has to be their first priority. And when you don't have the first priority guy out there as an offense, it makes it really difficult to sort of do what it is that you envision doing during the season. But I think Williams is a stud. I think that Hunter Renfro has a chance to be a really solid NFL player. I don't know if he starts immediately, but I, he will definitely be starting at some point this season. I think he makes an impact. Um, I am optimistic, extremely optimistic, maybe the most optimistic guy about that tight end crew. I like all three of them as it's currently constructed. I think Foster Moreau and uh, and Waller have a chance to be one hell of a one-two punch. Uh, I, I'm always big on tight ends. Maybe I'm a bit too optimistic, but man, I, I like it. And I know a lot of people were were sad when Jared Cook left, and I thought Jared Cook was an outstanding tight end for the Raiders last year. I don't know if they're going to lose all that much if they lose anything at all because I, I think that one, two, three is rock solid. And then Jacob showed me a lot in the pass game when, when I was able to catch him, and, and that was really all I needed to see. I, he is the only viable run uh, pass option, I think, in the Raiders' backfield. And you know in the modern NFL you got to be able to do both these days. So there is some concern there. Otherwise, they're more or less telegraphing the plays like they did last year when Marshawn Lynch was on the team. No one was ever going to throw him the ball, so you knew you could stack the box against him because they were going to run it. Um, so I, I, I am a little bit concerned if Jacobs can't um, – 
can't maybe carry the load as a running back, but I, I thought he had some really good wiggle in the pass game, and that was something that I didn't really know that he had coming out of Alabama. So I feel good about that. I think that the, I think that if the Raiders can protect Derek Carr, they have the offensive talent, and and I guess if Antonio Brown's on the field, they have the offensive talent to be a top. 10 offense in the NFL. I feel very confident about that, actually, because if he's protected and he can sling it, you know that Carr can make all the throws and he's going to have, I think, massive upgrade at receiver this year. And um, as much as I don't think last year's struggles were directly tied to the receiver position, the upgrade is so dramatic that I I just can't help but think that the Raiders can put three, four touchdowns on the board every single game. But I'm not all that optimistic, honestly, about about the offensive line. I think Trent Brown was uh, a really solid upgrade. I mean, I think anything would have been on the right side. Uh, I I do want to give credit to Colton Miller, someone who I've been extremely skeptical about since he was drafted well before he was drafted. Uh, I I think that he put on the requisite weight to um, to to be a viable tackle in the NFL. And you can see the flashes every now and again. He looks like an NFL player, unlike last year. Uh, and we all know what's going on in the middle with Hudson, but the guard positions now with, with Gabe Jackson going down and with incognito out for two, the first two games and them having to kind of scrape the bottom of the barrel to find guys, that is a massive, massive issue. And beyond all that, I'm just going to sort of blanket the offensive line with skepticism because Tom Cable's coaching them and he has never had a, an offensive line that has been in the top 20 in pass protection in the NFL, no matter where he's been. That's not just last year. That That is in perpetuity going backwards. I, I don't think that he is the right guy to do this. I don't think that Trent Brown is the right guy necessarily to be at right tackle in an outside zone blocking system. Trent, Trent Brown it, is massive. He is incredible. But boy, you're trying to run outside zone with that guy. I don't think that he can get to the boundary and, and make those plays. Now, if he gets his hands on anyone, they're going backwards. But uh, you can, with so much athleticism in the NFL on defense these days, I think that they can just kind of sneak under him a little bit. So I'm concerned about that. And if Carr is getting people in his grill, you know that the guy falls apart. The guy's issue isn't that he can't make the throws. It isn't that he doesn't know the plays. It isn't, you know, his size. It, it's his. It's the... It's the fear between the ears. And ever since he broke that leg in the 2016 season, I I think that his brother has been in his ear telling him to sort of protect himself and to maybe play a little bit scared. And the season starts and he doesn't look scared. And then as soon as the hits start racking up, you see it coming in. And then he starts feeling pressure that's not even there anymore. And then he starts throwing the ball away on fourth down. And we've just seen it for the last two years and um, three years. And and I'm, I'm honestly... I'm concerned that they're in a position to where this is going to happen again. If you can protect them, they have a chance to be really, really good. I don't know if it'll be good enough to make up for that defense, but it will at least be enjoyable to watch every now and again. If they can't protect them, all that offensive talent, I think, is going to go to waste. And I think Derek Carr's career as a Raider is probably over, perhaps at no fault of his own. All right. Wow. Uh, final question here I have for you. Um, you mentioned Gabe Jackson and the injury that he suffered with the MCL. Um, yeah. Reporting right now, I guess it's six to eight weeks. Um, hopefully mm-hmm. he could be back sometime around week five or six. Uh, and that's if they decide not to place him on, on IR. Um, right. How do you think they go about handling this situation? Do you think they go out and try to sign someone or they look in-house with, you know, maybe Denver Kirkland? Or they just picked up Jordan DeVay off uh, free agency yeah. last year. How, how are they going to fill that void 
Well, it, it seems to me as if they like both Kirkland and, and DV and those guys. It, it's funny when you're at training camp, you can tell which guys play in the NFL and which guys don't. There's just certain body types, certain confidences of, of the players that they sort of emit. And, and I think both DV and Kirkland um, are are NFL players. And, and uh, offensive line is a very difficult thing for, for most people to judge. I played offensive line. I have a difficult time judging it. Um, so I, I think that they're going to stay in house, but keep an eye on the trade market, keep an eye on guys who are going to get cut maybe at the end of camp or maybe even before that, because sometimes they'll let veteran guys who, um, who, who are probably going to get cut for either salary purposes or they got beat out by another dude in training camp. They'll give them a couple of extra days to kind of get their affairs in order so that they can find another team before the market gets super flooded. Um, as for Jackson, I would expect him back for week seven. I know that that's somewhat out of the timeline currently constructed, but, uh, just running through the schedule real quick and pardon me if I'm being redundant and you guys already know this by heart, but you have Denver on Monday night football in week one, then you're home with Kansas city. You go at Minnesota at Indianapolis on the 29th of September, and then you're traveling to London uh, for the week five uh, quote unquote home game against the bears there. Then you have a bye week. So looking at it, yes, in theory, he could get back for maybe that indie game if he heals fast, but I, I would have a hard time taking an injured player perhaps with me on, on a 10-hour flight to London or you know, maybe a seven-hour flight with Indianapolis uh, to London and then sort of expecting him to do that with the swelling and all that stuff. It, that's problematic, uh, and especially with a bye week right afterwards. Uh, I, I, would, I would venture to say that the, the Raiders would be behooved to sort of wait this one out, but – uh, maybe they don't have that opportunity because because the guys that they have filling in are, are just not getting the job done and, and Derek Carr's taking hit after hit. But yeah, it, it was. It, let me put it to you this way: the expectation leaving camp that day was that he tore his ACL and that he was out for the year. So the fact that we're talking about him possibly being back for a Week Seven game against Green Bay in Lambeau Field is. Um, is a real positive, even though it's, it's really quite terrible news and maybe not season ending news, maybe not totally season altering news, but it's a real pickle for the Raiders here. Well, Dieter, that's all I have for you. I, I appreciate that was great information. That was a great interview you gave us there. Um, I encourage all of you, if you don't already go out and, and follow Dieter on, on Twitter, uh, that's at Dieter and um, follow some of his work. He, he's putting out some great articles. I just read a couple of them you know, this week myself for, with the Mercury News and the East Bay Times. So, so check him out, give him a follow, and support him. Dieter, thank you very much for giving me so much time. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for having me. Keep up the good work. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. I want to once again thank Dieter Kurtenbach for, for joining me on the podcast, giving me uh, so much of his time and giving us such great insight onto what's going on with Antonio Brown and uh, what, what he has seen so far uh, in Raiders training camp. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of Just Pod Baby. I want to thank everyone for joining me and tuning in and for all your support. Let's hope that next week we have some more uh, positive stuff to talk about. Um, I hope everyone has a great week. And go Raiders!